With that said, uh, we've been in a series, obviously, about being equipped and understanding the armor of God. That's why we have all these images up here. Today, we're going to be talking about shoes of peace. And it's so important, right? Like, like one of the things I think and hopefully want to convey on a regular basis is that there is this truth that we need to be able to believe, okay? Uh, I'm a big NFL guy, right? I mean, NFL, it's National Football League. My prototypical body type would be 6'4", uh, 240 pounds, 4'3", 40, with a wingspan of about six feet. If I could go back into the lab, that's what I would produce. But I love watching the games, and I love watching the games live. And, you know, me and my daughter, she's an you know, avid fan. My son, not so much. He's like, he'll walk in and, you know, ask me who I'm cheering for, and he'll cheer for the opposite team. But, but me and my... Me and my daughter, you know, we get in there and we're, you know, excited about the game. But one of the things that there's been a gift that's been given to us is DVR. Remember what DVR is? Right? You can record the game. Right? So I recorded this game once, and uh, I hate recording it. I'd rather watch it live because there's an excitement to watching it live. There's an experience that you have going through it live. But I recorded the game, and then someone told me that my team won. Right? Spoiler alert. You're getting those people that tell you the end, the end of the movie. Right? So he told me that the, the, my team won. So now I start watching this game with a different perspective. I have a different position now. Because when I watch my quarterback throw an interception, I'm thinking, we won. I'm not screaming, calling him a bum, because I know that we won. I know the outcome. I know the end before I even get there. Do you realize that we win? That we win. As believers in Christ, we win. And you have to understand that whatever obstacles, whatever missteps, whatever stumbles you're going through, we win. And all you have to do is stay the course. And this is about perspective and position that God gives us when we come to Christ. I now have a different perspective. I now have a different position when I understand how it ends. So when I'm struggling or I'm sick or things are going on, a relationship's not working, the kids are bugging out, the car's broken down, the job is not there, I know. That God's plan for me is to give me a future and a hope to prosper me and not to harm me. I win. Do I got to go through this? But I go through it with a different perspective. And it's so essential for us to understand that as believers. And it's so important for us to get into God's word so that we would know the truth. See, it's not just listening to the truth. The Bible says we shall know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. We see truth, but we don't know truth. We have to embody that truth, embrace that truth. And what truth do we have to be able to grasp is that we win. Because of Jesus Christ, we have the victory, and we can walk around victorious and not acting like victims. I'm not a victim. I have weapons of warfare that have been given to me so that I can engage the enemy. I don't know about you, but I don't like getting hit. <laughs> right? Like, like, I don't like getting hit. 
And for years in the world, I allowed the enemy to take and to hit and to abuse me and just take advantage of me. And I was like, oh, it's okay. I just keep it moving. Not no more. Because I've been given the weapons of warfare. I've been given because we talked about this and it was so eloquently put up here. It, 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 there's this unseen world that you're not tapping into. So you're frustrated and you're unhappy and you're going through all these things and you don't realize this is not God's plan for you. Do we have to go through these things so that we can lean more into him and trust him more than we trust anybody? Listen, I've, I've deleted numbers on my phone. I've burned my black book. I'm not running to people anymore. I'm running to God. I'm not relying on people. I'm running to God. Because when I run to God, he will provide the people I need in my life that are going to what? Lead me towards him. Yeah, yeah. So I want to dive into the, to the, the whole Ephesians thing. Like, I'm wondering as I'm reading this and I've been studying it and just thinking about it, I'm saying, okay, why would Paul write this letter? The Ephesians, you know, Ephesus, it's a prosperous place, right? It's one of those, the jewels in the Roman Empire. Like, like, really, you know, this is a place you want to visit. It's like a metropolis. You want to hang out there. But, but, but Paul, there's this church that's planted there. And one of the things that I realized about them is that they were wealthy. Like, I think sometimes the image that we get, like, if I ask you, you know, who's a Christian? Is it rich or is it poor? You'll be like, man, we're poor. You know, are they healthy or are they sick? Ah, we're sick. <laughs> right? Like, we have this perception of what a Christian should look like. Oh, they're losers. They can't even handle life. That's why they got to run into the church. No. No. And in Ephesus, what was happening, by the way, they were a church that was blessed. But when you look forward into Revelation, you realize that when they write the letter of Revelation, one of the things he tells them, it says, I've seen you. I've seen your good works, but here's what I have against you. You have forgotten your first love. So here we are in this book. And, and, and I love this letter because it's not scolding anybody. He's just teaching them and instructing them. And, and one of the things that, that, that shocked me about it was this whole thought, and, and let me just read this before we go into it. It says, being rich beyond measure in Jesus Christ, yet living as beggars. Let that sink in for a moment. Not only do we win, but we're rich. See, in your mind, you're saying, I ain't got a penny to my name, Pastor. What are you talking about? I just said, in Christ. I didn't say in Chase. I didn't say in Citibank. I said in Christ, yet living as burgers. Why? And only because they were ignorant of their wealth. Please, if anything, a pastor's here wants you, it's not to be ignorant about your position. Because once you understand your position, you'll have a different perspective throughout life. And you have been seated in heavenly places. You have been pulled back from your circumstances so that you can see life through the lens that God is trying to show you. Why? Because it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. And the minute you embrace that, you realize, okay, so God is trying to build something in me. Maybe I'm, I'm a big mouth and I got to learn how to, you know, <laughs> be quick to listen and slow to speak. Maybe I react too much. I need to learn how to respond. Maybe so, so God is trying to do what? Because he has a goal in mind. He wants to use you for his glory. 
But here's what I've noticed. There's too much of me still alive. And I get in the way. But in Ephesus, he wanted to remind them of this because this is important. In chapters 1, 2, and 3 in Ephesians, he talks about the Christian believer's bank account. I want to read this because it's so important leading to what we have to talk about. Amen? It, it says this, okay? This is what you have in your bank account. The word adoption. You've been adopted into the family of God. Acceptance. The world doesn't accept you, but he does. Redemption. Forgiveness, wisdom, inheritance, the seal of the Holy Spirit, life, grace, and citizenship. We're sojourners. We no longer live. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. So when you concern yourself about accumulating wealth here, you miss the mark. When you miss the mark, we know what that is. It's called sin. And in chapters 4 through 6, we begin to see how the Christians learn to walk rooted in spiritual wealth. Once I understood my position, I walked around differently. I acted differently. Once I understood that God is the steward of my finances, I acted differently. I moved differently. Guys, we are in the process of having this B-H-A-G. What is that? It's a big, big, racist ask of God. $350,000 look insurmountable to you. Guess what? There's nothing impossible for my God. Nothing impossible. Why? Because he knows what goes on in this place. This is a hospital for the sick. And many have been blessed and many will continue to be blessed because of your generosity. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. And I want you to prepare your hearts as we continue to move through this series and many other series and throughout the year about how you're going to participate in this great move of God so that we can continue to do what we do and probably ramp it up to like a 2.0. Because the facility matters to us. And here's what I know. Listen to me, because when this happens, you say, oh, this is what the pastor was talking about. God is going to release money into your life that you didn't expect was going to happen. He is. Suddenly you're going to find $20 in your book that you haven't read in three years. Don't go out and buy something. Go give it to the Lord because God is going to bless you that way. Maybe some of you are waiting for a windfall. And you say, man, it hasn't happened. And everything is blocking it. God is going to begin to release that so that you can see he's going to make a way where you seem there's no way. Sometimes, sometimes again, my position and my perspective has changed. Why? Because the provider in my life is God. It's God. Amen? So having said that, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 15. It's all going to tie in. You'll see it. Um, it's going to be on the screen. Normally we stand, so I'm going to ask you guys to stand, please. It's a short read, so we're all going to read it together. At the count of three, we'll all read this together. Ready? One, two, three. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord.
shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. We've been in a series talking about the armor of God and uh, as we're being equipped to realize what it means, what each piece means and how it applies to our lives. I talked to you about position and perspective. I talked to you about understanding who God is. And, and it's so uh, apropos at this moment that you understand the wording that he used as well. When you read the first part of that verse 10, it says, finally. Finally, what does he mean by finally? Well, if you look at chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, as he's given these instructions, and I'm just going to read the pericopes really quick, um, I encourage you to read chapter 6 as often as you can as we're in this series so that you can embrace the totality of the teaching that's going on. Amen? He goes on to say, prayer for spiritual wisdom, by grace through faith, brought near by his blood, Christ our cornerstone, the mystery is revealed, purpose of the mystery, walk in unity, spiritual gifts. He talks about the new man. He talks about do not grieve the spirit. He talks about walking in love. This is chapter 5. He walking, walking in the light, walking in wisdom. He then instructs marriages. And uses the example of Christ in the church. He then addresses the children at the very beginning in their relationship with their parents. So after all this, he says, finally. Why? Because this is most important for you to fulfill chapters 1 through 5 in your life. I cannot be the new man unless I protect myself with the armor of God. Why? Because one of the things that the enemy loves to do is to get you to worry. One of the easiest ways for the enemy to succeed in shaking us loose from standing firm is to tempt us with worry. We can carry anxiousness and worry with us. We are robbed of peace when this happens. Now, I want to talk about the shoes. Now, if you notice these shoes, they have these little uh, rivets. And it's important because in the military, they had to walk over certain things. But it's also, if you ever watch them, the, the Romans, when they, when they fight, they have this tactic in which they all line up and form this tortoise with their shields. And they begin to move. And sometimes they push you off a cliff. <laughs> Right? But they have to stand firm. There has to be grip so that they can move. Uh, athletes use this. They, they use cliques. Right? So, so they use this so that it could be grounded in what it is they got to do. Now, now listen to me because we've gone through a couple of the parts of the body already. I would not wear those today just in case you're wondering. Yeah, it's not a fashion statement for me. But think about this for a moment. Because it's so important to understand that he's talking about having our feet fitted. The word shot means fitted. Preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, now we have to embrace this whole thing about peace because it's significant. Listen, this is not the peace that talks about quietness. That's not what it is. Although I like that. I, you know, I don't like noise too much. But it's so important for us to understand there are three things I want to cover. One is peace with God, peace with self, and peace with others. i say that again. Peace with God, peace with self, peace with others. Let's repeat it together. Peace with God, peace with self, peace with others. Now, 
We cannot have peace with self and others until we have peace with God. We can't. It's so important for us to understand what I said earlier about the truth. This is so important because in order for us to walk through life having peace, we need to understand what happened at the cross. We need to understand the gift that we've been given, this gift of life. I said earlier that we are operating from a position of being victorious, therefore we win. And embracing that truth, you shall know the truth and it will set you free. You'll walk in that freedom because you understand that truth. So therefore, you also understand your position and your perspective. So now, when I'm walking into situations, I'm walking because I have peace, because I've made peace with God. We hear that term a lot, but listen to me. This is, this is so important because he says in this scripture, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 to 18, I'm not going to put it on the screen, just listen to this. It says, for he himself is our peace. Who's our peace? Yeah, think about that. Who's our peace? So in order for me to be fitted, I have, in other words, I have to know, I have to know that the peace that the Bible is talking about, having this equipment in the armor of God, is that I know that I have peace with God. Why? Because while I was yet an enemy, while I was yet a sinner, while I was far away from God and didn't want anything to do with God, he still loved me. And he broke it peace by sending his son to the cross because what awaited me was the wrath of God. Final, eternal separation apart from God. The life I was living was a life of sin. And sin separates us from God. So whatever, what I wanted, I was going to get more of after I died. <laughs> you understand that? So, so it's so important. And again, this is not doomsaying. This is just the truth because the truth, know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If you don't know this truth, then you're operating from a place of victimology. You're operating from a place of defeat. You're operating from a place, I can't do this. You're forgetting the truth. The truth is that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And you can accomplish these teams not on your own, but when you come and become part of a community, God begins to lift you up and begin to encourage you with like-minded people who are walking in the same direction. God is trying to raise up an army to storm the gates of hell. There are people that are still sick and suffering. There are people who are in need. And you look beautiful. Every single one of you look cleaned up, beautiful. It's time for us to engage and begin to be involved. But here's what we're giving you the directions is you need the armor of God, Bobby. You need the armor of God. Because when you get out there and somebody tells you because you made a mistake, look at you. What kind of Christian are you? You're not saved. You know what I have on? Woo! Element of salvation. Blessed assurance. What are you talking about? <laughs> When all of a sudden somebody tells me I'm a loser, whoo, shield of faith. <laughs> this is, oh man, you look, you look crazy. Nah, I made peace. Me and God, we're talking. So, so, so he goes on to say this. I'm going to read it, the scripture. He says, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. 
Now, I'm going to quickly just go through this process. The, the, the Jews had established, God had established a sacrificial system in which the Jews used to practice. We call it the Passover, right? They would take this lamb that was born, firstborn, and they would care for it in such a way. This is horrible because they're feeding it, they're carrying it, they're loving it. He's listening to music, and then they're going to kill it, right? <laughs> That's the way it is, right? But, but, but this lamb represented the atonement of their sins. And what they do, they would take it to the temple, and they would slit his throat, the blood would be shed, the people, you know, the, the, the male would put his hand upon and transfer the sins of himself and his family onto that lamb. You got to stay with me. It's into that system that Jesus Christ steps into. Hence, when John the Baptist sees him, he says, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Okay? But at the same time, when that sacrifice was made, the only one that could take that sacrifice into this place called the Holy of Holies was the high priest. So in other words, the only way that people had access to God was through an individual, the high priest, through this curtain that was established, really thick, hung up, and inside was a tabernacle. He would go in there, and he would sprinkle the blood for the people and their sins and the forgiveness of their sins. Now, I say that to say that, again, this peace that it's talking about, this peace with God, it's not that it's a handshake or something I sign on a dotted line. It is peace with God knowing that that wall, that curtain, that separation has been removed and I have access to him. While I was yet an enemy, while I was yet far away from him, he made a way so I don't have to go to you to get to him. I have to go through Jesus to get to him. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one's going to see the Father except through me. All rogues don't lead to heaven. All rogues don't lead to heaven. And he goes on to say, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, enmity is just sin. Abolish means do away with in the sense that in his flesh, because he uh, sacrificed his body, he was able to do away with sin. That is, so as to create in himself one new man for the two, thus, watch this, making peace. So Jesus Christ, by being nailed to the cross, establishes this peace between me and God. I'm no longer far away. In my bank account is this word inheritance. I have a new inheritance. I have this new adoption. And Paul is teaching us here that now there is this unseen world that you have to engage in. You can't escape it. Why? Because it's here. It's here. You know, I had a... I did some uh, outreach years ago on the, by the housing projects here uh, on 3rd Avenue. And, and, and one of the things that happened was so amazing. You know, when you do outreach, we set up a table. You know, we had some Dunkin' Donuts. We had coffee. Anybody who walked by, we just stopped and talked to them about Jesus. Right? As I'm doing that for a little bit, it was about 8, 9, it was about, not eight, about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. We're there until about 11 o'clock, still talking to people as they're coming by. We're giving them, everybody wants a donut, a cup of coffee, right? But I had this young man walks across from the bodega on the corner there, and he comes over to me and says, how long are you going to be here? I'm like, I don't know, until the Lord says so. He says, okay, let me know, Right? I realized something. Something clicked. 
We're talking about wickedness in high places, right? In heavenly places. We're talking about principalities and powers. That corner was where he dealt drugs. It's unseen world. You ever notice that the police could come through, lock up 30 people on the block, and an hour later, 30 new people are there? It's got nothing to do except, again, the unseen, the principalities, the, right, the, the wickedness in heavenly places that's over. You ever had somebody ever told you, you seem like to have a dark cloud over you today? Right? That reflects in your attitude and your behavior, right? So, again, knowing this truth, you have to realize that your position and your perspective have changed and that you need to be armed with the armor of God in order to do battle. Because at the end of the day, I got peace with God now. Like Jesus took upon himself the wrath of God for me. Like, like he took the beating for me, for you. And that's the power of the gospel. He goes on to say, you know what? That he might, remember, thus making peace, verse 16, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity, that sin. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. This is peace with God. That while I was far away from him, he decided that this is what he was going to do to draw me near. Why? Because God doesn't want anyone to perish. People are damned in their own unbelief. That's not God's doing. You don't believe. You don't embrace this truth. You don't make it a reality. You don't accept the sacrifice that was made at the cross. And this is the power of this, that it says here particularly that he might reconcile. This is peace. Reconciliation is about, it, it, it's peace. And I need to have that as I enter into this world. So when someone's acting a particular way, I realize it's not that person. It's not flesh and blood. There's something going on in that person's life that's now manifested itself as hate, as anger, as frustration, and now he's saying it out on me, and I don't even know what I did. <laughs> you ever feel that way? So we have to be mindful of that because we're not of this world. The enemy's always going to use worry. He's always going to be uh, at you and attacking you, and this is where we need to arm ourselves with the armor of God. Why? Because of it, have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, peace with God. Without peace with God, you can't have peace with yourself. Just can't. It's impossible. Why? Because you're constantly tormented by the things you do or don't do, your inadequacies, your insecurities. They're constantly kicking up what you can do. And all you need is one negative comment from somebody and all the good things that have been said about you, go down the wayside. Oh, you're great, you're great, you're great, you're fantastic. You're a bum. You know what plays over and over in your head? You're a bum. <laughs> Not all the accolades that someone is. And this is why we need the truth, because God doesn't call us bums. And God doesn't make mistakes. And God says that we're jewels to him. That we're, we're redeemable because we have value. So when someone tells you that you're worthless, you say, wait a minute. That's what you say. But let me tell you what God says. 
You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It will set you free from that moment, and it will give you peace because you understand that Christ died for you Amen. to bridge that schism that was between you and God. So this peace is not something we sign on a dotted line. This is not a handshake. This is not a hug that we say, oh, man, you have peace. No, listen to me. This peace surpasses all understanding because it's the truth about what he says about himself. Amen. You can't have peace with others until you have peace with God. If you don't get this access right, you'll never get this access right. This horizontal access in which we interact with each other. Here to act. I, I started school, and everybody know I teach high school, and um, there's a long line of kids that want to beat me up. <laughs> Seriously, it's like 2.15. I wait for you outside, 2.15. 2.15. I said, get in line, because all three of them want to beat me up, so get in line. And it's just the way they, you know, they, they talk. And some of them are serious, some of them are not serious, right? But there's a peace that I have with God. There's a peace that I'm able to talk to them. And then you find out later that it's not that they want to beat me up, it's just I'm annoying. Why? Because what I want for them, they don't want for themselves. They haven't seen it. I want you to graduate. I want you to have a good life. I want you to stay out of Rikers Island. I want you to have the life that God has for you. So when I speak to them, you know what they call me? Grandpa. <laughs> I'm the oldest one on staff, so they call me Grandpa. It's okay. Right? Because it's turned from, I want to beat you up, to Grandpa. Why? Because there's peace that I have with God. And when I have peace with God, I can have peace with others. I can have peace with myself. This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of knowing the truth and allowing the truth to set you free. I'm not bound by any threats. I'm not bound by any circumstances. I'm not bound by any situation. I've been removed from there and given a new perspective and a new position. And because of that, I can walk in this newness of life realizing that I'm not a victim. Because if we were honest in this room, we all are adults, and most of the behaviors that we participated in, we were willing participants. Okay? But God graciously sees your mess and makes it a message when you embrace the truth about what took place at the cross. The veil was torn. That separation between you and God. How many of us thought, God doesn't want nothing to do with me? Because there was so much stuff going on in your life. You say, oh, God is ignoring me. God is busy. God has never ignored us. God is never busy. He was waiting for you to decide what is it you want to do. You're going to keep doing that or you want to be down with me? And if you understand your bank account is full in Christ, your spiritual bank account is full in Christ. Amen? Amen. So when we are arming ourselves, musicians, please come up. When you're arming yourselves, as we continue to go through this series, listen to me, this blessed prayer of righteousness is doing the right thing. Using Jesus as your model. Amen. That's what you want to be able to do. You see, if I want to know if somebody is living in the truth, if I want to know that somebody's living in the truth, if I want to know if they're doing the right thing, you know what I look at? Their feet. I look at their feet. Why? Because the direction that they're walking. They are walking towards God. If they have the truth and they understand the righteousness, their feet will lead them closer to God and lead them to do the work of God. Amen? So, so it's huge for us to understand as the pastor is teaching us on this equipped series. Listen to me. 
to press in. You have to lean in. You have to fully understand what happened at the cross. If there's a class being given, take the class. When I came to the church, I didn't understand this. I, you know, I was a smart guy, whatever, but I didn't understand any. Listen to me. I know today this much. This much. Un poquito. Right? But it sustains me. It sustains me. And it's wet my palate to want more. Like I want more. So I want to encourage you guys as we're going through this series to realize that the preparation of the gospel of peace is Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That he stood in that place and brokered a deal. You and I don't have to be separated from God for in eternity. Can we get a chance to walk with him and be with him and experience him on a daily basis? I don't know about you, but I need more of God and less of myself. I need more of God and less of this world. I need God in my life every single day, every single moment. Why? Because without Christ in my life, left to my own devices, I will leave a path of wreckage and chaos. I can't do this without Jesus. And you can't do it without him either.